Welcome to Hang Your Hat, a podcast about ideas that are close to home. This is episode 11. It really tied the room together. In today's episode, I'm talking rugs, their origins, construction, care, and size. So grab your vacuum, plug in your headphones, and let's get started. while researching rugs is that the history and culture behind them is far broader and more interesting than I ever expected. I also found that there is very little scholarly work on the subject readily available, and that many of the accounts that are available on the history and culture of rugs are contradictory or unsubstantiated. The problem is that rugs were initially developed so long ago that most of the details about their initial development have been lost to the mists of time. And due to the nature of rugs, there is not a lot of archaeological evidence left to fall back on. So, everything that I'm going to tell you today was found in at least two sources. But there is plenty of room for alternative theories and interpretations of the available evidence. I have always thought of rugs as a floor covering that sits somewhere in the middle of a room and does not stretch from wall to wall. Whereas carpets were the floor coverings that stretched from wall to wall and were permanently attached to the floor. It turns out that the definition of a carpet versus a rug is, as I find most things are, not quite so simple. Some sources agree with my simple definition of a carpet as a floor covering that stretches from wall to wall and rugs as floor coverings that don't. Some sources state that rugs are smaller and of poorer quality than carpets. Still others define carpets as floor coverings that are attached to the floor, whereas rugs are just laid on top of the floor. To further muddy the waters, the word carpet has historically also been used to describe wall and table coverings. For the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to be using the words rug and carpet interchangeably, and I'm referring to the floor coverings that do not typically stretch from wall to wall and are not generally attached to the floor. Let's go way back in time to 7000 BCE. It was the Neolithic Age. Nomadic populations roamed from place to place, chasing animals, chasing food, and living on the land. It was cold, especially in areas of high elevation. Animal skins were available to keep the cold at bay, but they were not enough to go around something needed to be made to keep a growing population warm and comfortable. And people, being the innovative creatures we are, found a solution. Vertical looms, which were easy to dismantle and transport, were invented. They were perfect for nomadic populations which needed to stay on the move. They were used to weave rough cloth, and germane to this discussion, tightly knotted carpets. They protected from the elements as coverings for the cold floor and blankets. More importantly, it made animal hides less necessary and keeping animals like sheep for their wool more important. As people began to settle, the vertical loom was replaced with the horizontal loom. The horizontal loom was bigger and harder to move, but also more capable. 
carpets quickly transformed. They became not simply utilitarian, but works of art. They gained a permanent place in the home and significance in religious and cultural practices. The oldest known surviving knotted carpet in the world is the Pazaric carpet. It was excavated from a tomb in the Pazaric Valley in the Altai Mountains in Siberia. It was found encased and preserved in ice, frozen in permafrost. It dates back to the Iron Age, the 5th to the 3rd century BC, and now resides in Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg. It is truly a thing of beauty. The carpet is almost perfectly square, with gold designs on a rich red background, with details in navy blues and muted greens. The designs woven into the fabric are intricate. Geometric borders highlight depictions of soldiers on horseback and animals that look like grazing elk or deer. It has a higher density of knots than most modern carpets, making it look rich and plush, even after these very many years. It is considered by many experts to be Caucasian, meaning from the Caucasus, and specifically Armenian in origin. Most likely, it was a funerary accessory. The history of beautiful carpets in this region stretches back even farther, however. The historian Herodotus wrote in the 5th century BC that the inhabitants of the Caucasus wove beautiful rugs with brilliant colors which would never fade, and rug fragments have been excavated in Armenia that date back to the 7th century BCE or even earlier. Early rug making was not limited to Armenia, but based on archaeological evidence, it may have started somewhere in the general vicinity of the Caucasus in the Middle East and spread out from there. However, since there are also clear differences in the rug construction techniques used in different regions, we cannot be sure whether rug making evolved independently after spreading from the Middle East, or if some aspects of rug making were initially developed independently and later influenced by the superb rug makers from the Middle East. Regardless of how the different regional rug styles originally got their start, we are now the beneficiaries of hundreds or even thousands of years of regional rug evolution and the many rug styles that developed as a result. There are many different ways to categorize rugs by their style, region of origin, construction methods, or materials. One of the most basic ways to categorize rugs is whether or not they have a pile. Pile refers to the density of a rug's fibers and goes hand in hand with the height of the rug or the thickness of the rug from the backing of the rug to its surface. Rugs with pile are typically the type of rugs that I think of when I picture a rug in my head. The surface is fuzzy with the fibers of the rug sticking up out of the rug's backing. Pile rugs can be tufted, hooked, or hand knotted. Tufted rugs are created without knots. Instead, loops of yarn are pulled through the rug's backing material. Then the loops are sheared to create the pile surface. Tufted rugs can be made pretty quickly and are relatively inexpensive, but they shed a lot. They work well in rooms that get moderate amounts of traffic, like bedrooms and living rooms. Hook rugs are made like tufted rugs, but the loops are not cut. The finished rugs look kind of knobbly. Hooked rugs are also pretty inexpensive and hold up well to moderate traffic. 
Hand-knotted rugs are made by weavers tying individual knots to the warp yarns that make up the backing of the rug. The loose ends of the knot make up the surface of the rug. Hand-knotted rugs are the most labor-intensive rugs to make, and as a result are the most expensive. While hand-knotted rugs are pretty durable, given their expense, they are usually used in areas with little traffic, like formal living rooms. Flat-woven rugs, on the other hand, do not have pile. They are woven on a loom like fabric and don't have any fiber sticking up from the backing of the rug. In fact, they don't have a backing at all and are usually reversible. Flat-woven rugs are very durable and are great in high-traffic areas like entryways or in spill-prone areas like kitchens. Rugs are constructed in many different materials, from wool and cotton to nylon and acrylic, and even silk and leather. Each material has different characteristics that can affect its cost, durability, and ease of care, and as a result can influence where you would want to place a rug made from each material. For example, you probably wouldn't want to put a rug made of a material that is expensive, delicate, and hard to care for in a kitchen, where there is a lot of traffic and a high probability of spills. A better choice would be an inexpensive, hard-wearing rug that can be scrubbed with soap and water after a child drops a plateful of spaghetti on it. Wool is one of the most common rug materials, and for good reason. Wool is strong and durable. It's not easily stained and even repels water long enough to grab a rag and clean up a spill. Wool also feels nice underfoot and helps insulate a room. In my opinion, a wool rug is a great choice for almost every room in the house, but really shines in high traffic areas and spill prone areas. Wool shouldn't be used in damp areas like a bathroom because it will absorb humidity if it is kept damp, wool will eventually mold or rot. Wool rugs can also fade if left in areas with a lot of sunlight. It's pretty easy to care for a wool rug. They should be vacuumed regularly and cleaned using products designed for wool when needed, and cleaned professionally periodically. If you need something that's even harder wearing than wool or that can be used in damp locations, then synthetics may be the way to go. Synthetic rugs are usually made from materials like viscose, nylon, or polypropylene. They tend to be cheap, very durable, easy to clean, and fade and stain resistant. Many can even be used outdoors. The only real downside that I can see is that synthetic rugs don't always feel great underfoot, but even that has been getting better. My husband and I are actually currently on the lookout for a flat-woven synthetic indoor-outdoor rug for our dining room. I want to be able to literally take my dining room rug outside and spray it down with the hose if necessary. And I recommend any household that has frequent dining room spills but still wants a dining room rug to consider an indoor-outdoor rug as an option. Cotton rugs are another good choice if you want something that is easy to clean because many can be washed in a washing machine. They are also usually a lot cheaper than wool rugs, but they are not as durable. To increase the durability, it's best to go with a flat weave cotton rug rather than a pile cotton rug because cotton pile tends to felt and attract dirt. If cost and durability are not factors you need to worry about, and you just want the most luxurious rug possible, then silk is for you. Silk rugs are expensive and delicate, 
but they're also beautiful and soft and silky. They're the kind of rug you want to lay down on because they just feel that nice. They're really only suitable for very low traffic areas like bedrooms where kids will not be playing, and they require professional cleaning more often than any other type of rug. But if you have the disposable income, I think they're worth it. If you want a rug that is difficult to clean, scratchy underfoot, more expensive than you might guess, but looks fantastic in a room with a neutral color scheme or coastal or cottage decor, then a natural fiber rug, like sisal, jute, or seagrass, might be the rug for you. Natural fiber rugs are very strong, made from renewable resources, and are typically free of chemicals, all of which are great, but they are also really coarse and uncomfortable and hard to clean. The problem is that natural fiber rugs usually can't be cleaned with water, because water leaves watermarks on them. So professional cleaning using dry extraction techniques is usually required. If you're interested in a natural fiber rug, because let's face it, they do look fantastic despite their other failings, then I recommend seagrass. Of the natural plant fibers, it is the least scratchy, most pliable, and least likely to show watermarks. One of the most common questions about rugs is not about the most appropriate construction technique or the best material to use in a given space, but about how big the rug should be. People generally tend to buy rugs that are too small for a space. I'm guessing that is because larger rugs are more expensive. While I think this is a valid argument for getting a smaller rug, I would argue that the reason for getting a rug is to make the room look and feel better and getting a rug that's too small fulfills neither of these requirements. I think it's better to either wait and save up for a rug that is the appropriate size, or go with a cheaper version of a bigger rug. For example, one made from synthetic materials rather than a natural material like wool. But what is the appropriate size? It will depend a lot on your room and its furniture arrangement, but there are some good rules of thumb. First, Rugs shouldn't cover the entire floor of a room. The traditional ideal is that the rug would expose the same amount of floor space on all sides of the rug, at least eight inches of floor in a small room and up to 24 inches in a big room, and that the rug would be centered in the room. However, in open floor plans where one room is used for multiple things, this rule really isn't practical. Instead, the placement of furniture dictates the size of the rug. In a large living room where furniture is floating in the middle of the room, the rug defines the space that the seating area takes up. The rug should be big enough so that all of the furniture can comfortably fit on top of the rug without feeling cramped. This equates to a pretty large rug, usually at least 9 feet by 12 feet. If the furniture is anchored by being placed against a wall, or your living room is very small, then you can get away with a smaller rug but you should still make sure that it's big enough so that at least the front two legs of the furniture is all on the rug. Your rug will probably still need to be at least six feet by nine feet, but it may need to be bigger depending on the amount and size of furniture you have in your seating arrangement. In a dining room, your rug should be big enough that chairs stay completely on the rug, even when they are all pulled out from the table, and when the table's extensions are included. Generally, that means that your rug needs to be at least 24 inches wider than your table on all sides. However, it should also stop a few inches in front of any sideboards or china cabinets that are in the room. 
Dining room rugs also look best when the shape of the rug mirrors the shape of the table. So rectangular tables look best on rectangular rugs, and circular tables look best on circular rugs. In a bedroom, the rug needs to extend at least 12 or more inches out from the sides and bottom of the bed if it's a twin or full mattress, and 18 or more inches out from the sides and bottom of a queen or king-size mattress. If you have any furniture at the foot of the bed, like a bench, the rug should also extend the suggested length beyond the additional furniture. You can either let the entire bed and nightstand sit on the rug, or allow the head of the bed and the nightstands to sit on bare floor, with the rest of the bed sitting on the rug. I prefer the latter option because it makes the rug look more centered in the room, and you can get away with a smaller rug. For a queen-sized bed, an 8 by 10 foot rug is usually a good choice, and a 9 by 12 foot rug looks great with the king-sized bed. Alternatively, runners on either side of the bed also looks nice in a bedroom and can be a good choice if cost is an issue. That is it for this week, but I can imagine what you're all thinking. You didn't go into rug styles at all! How am I going to be able to tell a Kotan rug from a Kazakh rug? Well, I had initially intended to cover rug styles in the show as well, but the more I get into it, the more I realize that it wasn't feasible. It just didn't translate well into a medium without pictures. I'm hoping to eventually do a blog post about it on the Jerukin Crafts blog, however, so if you're interested, keep a lookout for that. I would also like to thank everybody who got in touch last week about my stuffy nose that kept me from podcasting. I'm feeling a lot better this week, and I hope that my voice sounds almost back to normal. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode, but in the meantime, it would really mean a lot if you could let a friend know about the podcast or leave a review on iTunes. I'm trying to get the word out about the podcast, and reviews are one of the best ways to do that. You can also get in touch with me by sending an email to hangyourpatpodcast at gmail.com or by visiting the website hangyourhatpodcast.com. The Hang Your Hat Podcast is a production of jerworkingcrafts.com. That is G-E-R-W-E-R-K-E-N crafts.com. You can visit Jerworkingcrafts for DIY, home decor, crafts, tutorials, and more.